0: those true crime podcasters could have kept it in their pants. Jamie Lee Curtis would be fine right now. in honor of Halloween kills, bringing Michael Myers back. What is your go-to spooky season watch for 2021?
1: Uh I'm Katie Rich and there's a Muppets Haunted House movie on uh Disney Plus and my 5-year-old won't watch it yet, but I'm going to keep working on it cuz I want to watch that.
2: Uh fun fact, based on a polygon interview about that movie. It took him 30 years to make this Halloween Muppets movie, which he's wanted to make for forever. This Muppet Muppeteer guy. I don't know. Plug in the show. Plug in my site. Fuck you. Yeah, you go. Just a lightning round here. Uh, I'm at patches. I'm gonna. What's my spooky season watch? I'm gonna go with Over the Garden Wall, the annual spooky season watch, which I think Dave has a custom song for me from this. uh, From this special, Dave.
0: Oh yeah, that's a potato, Mister Patches. Thank you. Based based on him being the potato bread of our sandwich. Uh, I'm David the Seven, and I already watched The Great Pumpkin, so I think it's going to have to be Casper for me again.
3: And I'm David Ehrlich, and I'm going to go with a movie I actually have not seen yet, uh, which is the Nomi Rapace slash Lamb
4: horror (laughs) movie,
3: Lamb. Uh, And I am going with it for purely logistical reasons, because next week when I go on my highly anticipated vacation, most hype vacation of the year, a vacation that will see me going barely any further than my couch uh i am going to go one morning down the street and see lamb by myself at like 11 a.m on a tuesday it's gonna be fantastic a
2: Elev- a lamb 11 i'm trying to make lamb and 11 upon mm-hmm. Here. Mm-hmm. a pun here good a bad 11, i lemon.
3: i could hardly care less i'm just excited for the lamb gentlemen you can't fight in here this is the war room fine i can hear you now dimitri clear and plain and coming
4: through fine I'm coming through fine, too, eh? Good. Then, well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. Uh,
1: It's it's a podcast. Hello, and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 369. It's Pandemic 82. It is the week of Wednesday, October 13th. That's the date that, in the year 54, not a typo, 54, Nero succeeded Claudius as the Roman emperor.
0: I was so happy to finally be able to use the first one on the page.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know that much about my Roman history, but that seems like a reasonably... I think All About uh, Eve also opened
0: and, like, we're an entertainment podcast, but I was like, oh, man, 54. When, when have we done one for the year 54?
1: Was it an, uh, an All About Eve situation with Nero taking over, um, I already clicked away from it, Claudius, uh... Like, did he like shadow Claudius for years and then just take his place? Someone needs to tell me if it was a real all about eve situation. Was it like
3: or... the Idaho lieutenant governor who like when Claudius left the, the borders of Rome for a hot minute, uh Nero or the reverse, I can't remember who was succeeding who, just immediately decided to like uh ban any sort of mask mandates. Remember the story?
1: That sounds like the kind of, that kind of sounds like the kind of thing that would have happened in uh, Ancient Rome. <laughs> yeah. So, let's just let's just say <laughs> Ancient yes. Rome
0: was up in arms about
1: mask mandates sure Uh, i'm i'm unclear if i'm on what kind of punishment i'm on deck for if people haven't left us a review but i hope that i don't have to do we have any reviews
3: well we we do have one review Uh, i'm going to spoil the suspense but i will say based on only having one review that i feel like the people out there have been stockholm syndromed into enjoying hearing about the latest conquest war on star wars galaxy of heroes too much and that sounds like a
1: confirmation bias right there, David.
3: I, I mean, it's just the sense I'm getting in the air, sticking, you know, licking my fingers, sticking it up to the wind. That's what I'm picking up. But Dune, Robert Frost, Dune, uh, maybe our old friend Robert Frost, who is now just hyped for some desert power, uh, rebranding himself for another review, has left us one review, and there are a lot of sevens in the headline here. There's Patch's <laughs> seven, Dave, spelled regularly, David's Earl's <laughs> seven. There's two sevens there. And Katie Rich is also a sevens. Maybe in honor of, 007, but also this review is left on October 7. Um, Hi, y'all. I was wondering if Dave Seven or anyone else would be checking out the Denver Film Fest. I want to plug an animated short called Ghost Dogs directed by my bro Joe Kappa. It's been making the festival circuits, and I love it, and you should watch it if it's included in any forthcoming festival circuits. Also, Scenes from a Marriage episode when? David, you know which one. Don't make a dumb uh... joke here. Mank for life. Has anyone watched <laughs> this?
2: Has anyone watched scenes
3: from America? I uh, I only watched the last 3 episodes. I feel like I missed the first two, but I was I able to I watched 20 minutes at a hotel while I was
2: at a wedding this weekend and it was them I guess wow. I guess it's a spoiler but they they get divorced. And then they what a choice they have sex to watch on during a, a wedding
1: weekend. What? Why did you watch this while you were traveling for a wedding? Because
2: I'm just like endlessly scrolling, half drunk, uh, in my hotel room, just looking for something That's to watch. A, and yeah. Spectre was on group? FX, so I went to. Oh, boy. I went. I ran my, away. I went
3: to Seeds of Remarriage. Marriage. My wife went That's out real, for one night, like last week or the week before, and that was the night that I happened to catch Seeds of remarriage Marriage on TV. I was sitting there alone in my apartment watching this fucking, like, brutal throwdown between Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac. Uh, Yes, Dune, Robert Frost, Dune. Um, I'm not entirely sure the context of your question. You're saying scenes from a marriage, episode when? And then you say, you know which one? Are you talking about a particular scenes from a marriage episode or an episode of the show? We think you're talking about Oscar Isaac's dick.
1: Or does he mean the the original scenes from a marriage? Oh, no,
3: uh, Katie, I think you're absolutely right. I think, well, I think so. I mean, I think... That's right. I think they're referring to new scenes from a marriage rather than us having to do an episode on Ingmar Bergman's. Um, I will Stay say tuned
1: for our conversation about Bergman Island in about five minutes. <laughs>
3: oh, sure. Um, but the, uh, in which the characters sleep or almost sleep for the night, I think eventually they, move. no, they do end up sleeping in that room in this, in the scene, in the room rather, where they filmed scenes from a marriage. Uh, but the original, uh, you do see Oscar Isaac's penis for a second. It's a hot topic of the internet. In Caesar Marriage, he is playing the most Jewish character of his entire career. Um, this is a show by an Israeli filmmaker, and he comes from a very Jewish family, and it's a major topic in the show, and he's uncircumcised. Interesting. Doesn't really seem oh. committed to the role, Oscar Isaac, if you ask me, but- uh, That
1: seems, I mean, we live in an era of CGI penises. Like, that seems <laughs> like something they would have altered on. Like, truly. Right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that, i mean i would have been I a great like, news story
2: easier um, I, how, do we live in an era of cgi
1: penises i mean i feel <laughs> Where like have we've seen, plenty seen cgi
2: of... penises <laughs>
1: not cgi but like I mean, we, we live we, in, we, in we, an we, era not the... of
2: cgi penises <laughs> you know, the only cgi that, penis i can, I can think... think of is the um onion article about michael bay's <laughs> Teenage Ninja Turtles, where they all added
3: those big green dicks to the Teenage Ninja Some, Turtles trailer. Somebody really needs to watch or rewatch Zack Snyder's Watchmen.
1: I was going to bring up Zack Snyder's Watchmen, oh, yeah. and Deport. I was also obviously thinking of the prosthetic penis in Boogie Nights. Anyway, what I'm saying and is there's that
3: there's another. There's another prosthetic this it, movie sure coming this fall. Get excited! Um, wow. Wait, what? Anyway, how you uh, to uh, for
1: the Clifford movie that way? <laughs>
0: To answer the other question uh, more succinctly, good thing about uh, Ghost Dog here. This is a rescue pup that discovers its new home, possessed by the family's deceased pets in its mind-altering Pest. horror. Pets. De- family's deceased pets in this mind-altering <laughs> horror. Um, it is playing at the Denver Film Festival, but good news for me and other COVID-diverse people slash people not living in Denver, it'll also be available on the virtual festival uh, shorts program which will be available online from November 4th to November 14th. You go to denverfilm.org. So, yeah, I'm going to catch Ghost Dogs now. I can see it safely. It's Colorado native. Let's do it. Joe Kappa's Ghost Dogs.
1: Yeah, please plug your local film. Not, not only do we not reviews, have paid advertising
3: it. on this show, we now have free <laughs> advertising for short films. Ghost Dogs If you just cool. leave
1: us a review. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, that was but... good. Yeah, that's I, good. That My works. audio dropped out. Yes, you did the uh, right thing. Yeah. Oh wait, this is it. Over?
2: No, Dogs. this is it. This is no, it. It's over. It over. It <laughs> it I feel like it. I feel like Katie wrapped it
3: up there.
1: <laughs> da- <laughs> sorry, David, I tra- cut you off by accident, and then your audio dropped out. It was terrible timing.
3: Anyway, <laughs> worked out. I was just trying to give props to Ghost Dogs and our collective bro, Joe Kappa. Check it out, and please leave us a review on iTunes. Fighting the War Room on iTunes. You can plug whatever you want if that's your fancy. We're happy to read it as long as you take the time. You love us. We love you. It's how the world goes around.
1: Well, someone asked us to talk about scenes from a marriage earlier. We're not doing that, but we are talking about Bergman (laughs) Island, which is scenes from a marriage. And it takes place in the place where scenes from a marriage. (laughs) (laughs) The movie set on Bergman Island, which is the island in Sweden. Uh, I looked it up. I don't remember what it's called. Faro? Faro. That's not how you say it. It's Faro, but it's not exactly how you pronounce
3: it. It's the A with the little circle over it.
1: Well, I'm also going to uh, butcher the name of the director, which is Mia Hansen-Love, which is probably not pronounced that way, but it's an O with a circle through it. Do you know how to pronounce it right, David? I mean,
3: that's how I say it, and that's okay, no—that's no, that's no uh, stamp of authority, but it is what I've gone with.
1: M- many names we cannot pronounce, but I'm pretty good with Vicky Creeps and Tim Roth, who play the couple, who both, both are all. filmmakers. He is uh, seems pretty commercial and successful. She is kind of more of an indie director, like figuring out what her next project's going to be. And they're on this island where Ingmar Bergman lived and made a bunch of his movies. And they stay in a house that he stayed in. The husband is there for like Bergman Fest, which may or may not be a real thing. Um, And we we really follow more of her story. She kind of grapples with trying to write her next movie, which eventually kind of like fully halfway through the movie starts to unfold as a film within a film. It stars Amia Wasikowska, which I do think is how you say her name. And then Anders Danielson Lee, who is both a real life doctor and an actor, and super hot. Uh, it's really unfair that he has <laughs> the all trifecta. these things going for him. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the, the thing we all aspire to. Um, and it's just this like kind of relaxed, but really well-made movie, and ex- extremely well-acted. Vicky Creeps is like the most charming person who's ever existed, about like artistic fulfillment in her part of the story, and then kind of this like romantic, like road-not-traveled story in the movie within a movie that kind of loops back around to the main story that you're watching. Uh, and I enjoyed it. Immensely. And David, I think you're going to have thought about it more and will tell me why I enjoyed it so much. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you Cruz uh, has I, great sweaters. Let's talk uh, about those for a while. Why is it called Bergman I Island? I did we,
2: did you say this? I think yeah, you were they're about on to. the
1: island, they're on the island where Bergman lived and he made where his move. Okay. Yes. And they're, in the, yeah, uh, the, the, they're the title is not it. very, the title is very literal to what it means. It's like, like Gullah, Gullah Gullah Island, is, but it's, <laughs> <good>.
3: <laughs> yeah. The title is extremely literal, although I would caution that you do not need to be a fan or even particularly knowledgeable about Ingmar Bergman to enjoy this movie. It is not at all steep. I mean, they make frequent reference to Bergman's films, particularly so through a glass chess? darkly. Um, I mean, all there are all these sorts of jokes, but uh, the movie does not at all feel like an Ingmar Bergman movie. It feels a lot like a me Hansen love movie. Um, very sort of yeah, light I di- and airy.
1: I will interrupt briefly to say, I have never seen an Ingmar Bergman movie, which is not, I'm not saying that to brag, but that it, it worked never to no dum dumb, I Big really bread. don't think I have like he was um, never in like there was no Bergman in any of the film classes I took, and I' just like I've been uncurious enough not to watch
3: them. and yet sense, so. were you able to enjoy and feel as if you could appreciate uh yeah i I know the, 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 the general concept of
1: Bergman movies, but unhappy people in Swedish islands and also the movie is full of these like pretentious film bro types who are like, well, here's what I really think Bergman was going for in this scene. And those people I know very well, that type uh, really registered and I was delighted.
3: (laughs) Some even may be speaking to you on this podcast right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, and, and so um, I, it shouldn't be obviously a name like Bergman Island is going to be enticing to some people and off putting to others. I think uh, it, it should be neither, you know, so strong in one direction or the other. Um, this is a movie I've been looking forward to for a very, very, very long time because Mia Hansen-Love is one of my favorite filmmakers alive. Her um, Previous films include Goodbye First Love, Eden, uh, Things to Come. Um, she is like seven for seven at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it was it's a movie called Bergman Island. I mean, it seemed like a, um, a real slam dunk for me. Uh, it was originally going to start by Anna Gerwig in the role that eventually went to Mia Wasikowska. Um, or was it Vicky Creeps? I don't know. I always get the confused. But um, be that as it may, uh, yeah, I love this movie deeply. It's very personal in the way that really all of me and Loves movies are, but this one even more nakedly so. Uh, she was in a relationship and has a child with the filmmaker Olivier Assayas, who, broadly speaking, falls into the Tim Roth role in this movie and the slightly more commercially successful and famous filmmaker, um vicky creep seems like a an easy proxy for her and then um when it seemed to be sort of settling into that vibe and she's struggling with the idea of like if you can have a family and and also work and there's some there's a line in the trailer where they talk about how ingmar bergman made some like 19 films or something truly sickening like that by the time he was 42 um and he had a number of children at the same time um more children i think by double at least than any of us have but uh was not around exactly changing diapers um and it was kind of a distant father as anyone who's seen this movie probably wouldn't be shocked to learn um but yeah, there's
1: a um there's a new yorker cartoon that's been going around many moms on i know on instagram that has two people looking in a big painting in a gallery it says you know it's a lot less impressive when you realize that he had free childcare." care uh yeah. I mean, that's kind of the vibe of <laughs> the vibe yeah. of how they address ingmar bergman in this movie I mean, there
3: is the scandinavian childcare. there is also the uh you know, the the patriarchal idea of you're the child care right. mother <laughs> and I yeah. um, and not mother in the way that Mike Pence refers to his wife, mother, but just in the generic mother of the <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, and anyway, and then as Katie was saying, at a certain point, the movie within the movie, which stars Mia Wazkowska and Andrew Danielson Lee, takes over um, and has a sort of fresh pop, uh, pop to it. Um, And the two plot threads, the two timelines weave together really beautifully. And then things get even, well, complicated isn't the right word, but a little bit more playful even from there as the movie rounds uh, third base. Uh, But it's really, I think, a story at its essence of artistic becoming, particularly for this one woman, um, or artistic liberation, really. I mean, she's already sort of come into her own as a filmmaker, but is um, looking to to uh, stand on her own two feet and and to reconcile with her past and some choices that she's made. Um, there is a personal connection with the movie within a movie um, and just find a way to sort of live and create art a little bit more on her own terms and being in the shadow of this great man Ingmar Bergman who touches every inch of the land on Faro uh, is kind of an eye-opening experience for her um, but not at all in some sort of prescriptive or didactic way like so many of me hansen loves movies all of them really i mean it has a very light touch that sort of yeah it's you really over with a feather.
1: Gen- gentle but like also being really deeply emotional like it's very kind to its characters even like the tim roth character i think it really is really easy, really easy be the like the distracted like not caring husband like he's not he's not that it's very careful about how it constructs all of these people
3: yeah did you were you moved at all
1: yeah. I mean, I think by the time you get to, like, you know, the idea of artistic fulfillment, especially when you have small children, is very topical to me. And, like, I think it's when you, almost when you get to the final shot of the movie when you're just like, wow, this is kind of what it is presenting as an option to this character who I had really come to care about, the Vicky Creeps character. Um, I was just so taken away with her for the most part and wanted to, like, do everything she does and wear everything she wears and... <laughs> like, have a vague and European accent. Go to like, Faro you know? and
3: write and do all of your Vanity Fair writing in a lighthouse. Yeah, do you want to go
1: to an island and do writing and be smart and European.
3: Yeah, I mean, Denis Noir's cinematography has a way of making you want to go to wherever any of these movies are set. But it did, I mean, even though it is sort of explicitly about a woman's journey, it did resonate with me in the ways that you were talking about. In a way that, and this is a topic that we can double back to later this season. But as we're recording this, the secret screening at the London Film Festival of Come On, Come On, the new Mike Mills movie is getting out, and I'm seeing a lot of over-the-moon reactions, and I'm starting to get a very anecdotal, not at all scientific, I hate essentialist takes, like I'm not going to hold on to this, but feeling that the people I know who don't have children uh, are relating very strongly to this sort of like avuncular movie about a young child, whereas I and some of the other newish parents that i know felt nothing watching it um oh we're anyway. gonna
1: argue about come on come on later okay come well on. i
3: guess uh no there you are disproving my and the reason why i not all not to parents stick to essential David. exactly um this is these are why certain things are best said uh wavering on a podcast and not tweeted into the void but um <laughs> the, uh anyway Just yeah that's, out a, loud into that's the void. a movie that was ma- tailor-made to my experience in some ways and i Tell nothing this was more abstractly related to things that I know, things that I've just been able to sort of uh that me hands and loves movies has served as a conduit for for me. And I I was so in the pocket for this movie, I have been for a number of years, but it satisfied my hopes in uh not only the ways that I hoped it would, but also in a number of unexpected ways. that had a really sort of different shape and tone and takeaway than I expected. Uh, I really, really loved it deeply and cannot wait to. See it again, uh, and it opens at least in a couple of screens in the big cities, New York and LA. Yeah, at least, it's an ISC
1: release, so I expect it to be pretty limited for a while. But I would yeah. imagine it'll also be. Uh, I, I don't I know watch if it, it will be home, for a like while. A fine... I
3: mean, the,
2: the VOD yeah, pipeline might... these days is so short. So.
1: Yeah, and I like I watched it at home and felt fine about it. So I yeah. think it's like a very nicely intimate movie that you don't have to. IFC still screen. screening if you can't tons of movies, movies
2: at like um, uh, outdoor. Screening venues and, and drive-ins. Do people still go to drive-ins now? That yeah. I was gonna
1: take dot? take my chance to plug my local film festival, Film Plus Nine One Nine, which has an entire drive-in. I'm gonna see Spencer at a drive-in. Wow. What could Whoa, be better?
3: Cool. <laughs> I
1: know. I'm psyched.
3: Um, anyway, Bergman Island Rules. Me, Anson love the greatest. She's already making a new movie. It stars Leia Sado, who will come up again later in this episode. Synergy, people.
0: Synergy
2: where am i today i wish that i knew in titane
1: in, in our mini segment tatine. we're talking about
2: titane it's a brand new film load nude Titan. um Yeah, this movie won the Palme d'Or. David, you were in France to see Titan or Titan is probably how we should be (laughs) pronounced. You got to drop (laughs) the bit. I'm going to stick to the bit because I have naturally said Titan because I'm a dopey American. But David, you saw this back at at Cannes, and I I think people were surprised maybe that it won the Palme d'Or. This is the uh, follow up. Uh, This is Julia. I'm not going to butcher her name. Ducournau. Well, how do you pronounce her name? Du Cornell. That makes sense.
4: That sounds right. I think that's, the, director I think that's
2: Raul, the director of Raw. The uh, director of Raw. A follow-up film. <laughs> Raw. I think really impressed people. I mean, I, I loved that movie. A little cannibalism. A little veterinary college. Um, you know, we were all waiting <laughs> for it, and there it was. Uh, she got tons of. You know, I I have some pals out in uh, who were doing like a television show. Everyone was apparently trying to get Julia. To canal to to direct TV pilots like immediately after Raw and a, she shook huh. them off uh, wisely even though there's a bazillion dollars to be made in just shooting pilots um, as many HBO pilot I feel like they what was the guy who uh, directed The Last of Us David like, who did like um, uh, what was it called Bean Pole or I don't know I'm going on a tangent yeah Balagov yeah uh, he's doing pilots yeah. everyone's doing pilots but well. That's
3: slightly different. But Julia Deccano stuck to her. I know that. Uh, yeah, you, I mean, it's slightly I different.
2: But, uh, not really, yeah. though. because everyone you could do TV or you can make
3: a fucking so renegade the, the psychotic point, new movie to Todd exactly. and go to the can more with it. Important point you're making yeah. is that she sat at a typewriter or computer or whatever for for every day for a year supposedly without typing out a single sentence. I mean, it just like was completely. Um, at a loss as to what her next movie should be about. And no, in that time, did not take any other work. She was committed to yeah. coming up with some batshit insane follow-up to Raw, and that's exactly what she eventually did.
2: Yeah, and I I'll, i don't know how far we want to get into this, because I, I do want people to know I had the pleasure of not reading any reviews, really, even after it won the Pondoran can, and going into Wait, this pretty I, I know exactly
3: how far I, I want to get into yeah, this. Yeah, how far, a far do we want to get into this? <laughs> so I, this movie, I, I saw what this movie about? a little bit before. I, I, will, I will tell you, I'll explain yeah, by yeah. way, uh, explanation. I saw this movie a little bit before, I mean, like hours before it premiered at can and was in a heated conversation uh, for my own neuroses of trying to figure out where the spoiler line should be drawn in my review, knowing full well that, er- that a lot of reviews were going to um, go over the line that I thought was acceptable. Uh, so I thought about this a lot and I- I'm sticking to my guns. I-, I would say this is a movie about a little girl or it starts as a little girl who in the opening scene of the film is in a car accident when she's a child Horrible. and she has a, yes, it's it's a bad car accident, so and she has a titanium, or titan, uh, plate screwed into her head and that, I mean, she already seems like she is a little kooky but that, that certainly pushes things further. She immediately develops an affinity for cars by licking a car window as she walks out of the hospital. Uh, cut to however many years later when she is a grown-ass Woman played by Agatha Roussel. Yes. um, Another name that I'm probably mispronouncing. um, Sort of a newcomer to the world of movies and gives a performance that, love it or hate it, uh, is difficult to forget. And she is that grown woman who still has quite the affinity for cars. um, And still likes to... uh, Is not at all bashful about the scar from her uh, surgery that she has a child. She has it sort of proudly exposed on the side of her head. Um, she owns it. She works at car shows and gyrates on top of cars and then uh, is one night sexually assaulted in the parking lot uh, on the way out of a car show. And after that, later that same evening, uh, makes eyes with a very attractive muscle car and uh, has sex with it. And that is where I draw the line. Okay, I'm. For well, that's interesting. What this movie's about. Uh, um.
2: Because she murders the person earlier. She commits a murder.
3: We didn't... Sure. I mean, we all commit murders. I mean, it's not a big deal. Is... <laughs> <laughs> she ends up having a murderous streak. I feel like it is significant yeah. to, to say that. And, and like at a certain spoiler. point, Vincent Linden is a character in this movie. He plays a firefighter. His relationship to her is not worth going into now. Um, and... but that's, that's what's so yeah, interesting I mean, about this, this
2: movie, because I feel like it has a reputation. Everyone on this call has probably heard about Titan. This is the movie where the, she has sex with a car. She has sex with a car. Car Sex movie. She yeah. loves cars. And she had a she had sex with one. And she and and that and that sexual act stays with her for a, a long time, um, maybe nine months or so. Um, oh, boy. What, but what's so interesting about this movie is that it's so intense and visceral and weird. And then the second half of the movie that you're describing, David, that you don't want to talk about, which I understand why is really the kind of emotional hook here. It's, it's not like a totally different movie, but there's a lot it gets a lot deeper or it gets more involved. It's, like when she meets I mean, <laughs> this kind of father figure in her life I don't know. This, it gets pretty heavy.
3: It, 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 it's not a totally different movie but it's kind of a different movie. <laughs> it's definitely shifting How, gears to continue the car it's, metaphor.
2: It's not a horror movie in the second half. It is not some sort of like exploitation. People um, who fucks cars then murders people. It shifts gears if I, you will
3: hmm that, that makes you horny yeah, yeah. and it was bad enough the first time jesus i mean um, I, I heard
0: both gear shifting things oh my bad david do you remember <laughs> the sun do you remember the sundance short
2: tub oh yeah 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 killer tub
0: how similar is this to tub
3: uh, i don't remember it well enough there are to, no killer uh, cars make in the this. comparison no
0: there, so I mean, that the plot of tub is a guy jacks off in the shower and impregnates his bathtub and then has to raise the baby that comes out of the drain of the bathtub.
3: No, I, it, it, this is a different kind of thing. It's also like, it catches, okay. I mean, maybe tub is also kind of tender, um, eh. but this is very, I mean, the second half of this movie is, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's deliberately over the top and like demented in scare quotes in the first half. So I think the second half, which is purely emotionally driven can have some wiggle room and some room to play with and pays off in really interesting ways. I, I think that sort of given the the hype and that it comes around with like a movie that's so fucked up, man, and then wins the Palme d'Or uh, in the year that this did, there was bound to be... I mean, this is always going to be a lover-hater movie and I think it only went further to instill some some you know, pre-loaded backlash as it was a can, which is now coming up to roost, but I, I don't think this was ever the kind of movie that was going to win sort of Parasite-like acclaim across the board. Um, But I really, really, really took to it as a fairy tale about, you know, parenthood, about raising, like, loving someone unconditionally and for who they are, Um, and, uh, you know, the sort of fluidity of what that can mean between a parent and child, between a person and themselves. Um, It is, uh, uh, yeah, it's sort of a modern, you know, mechanical fairy tale uh, and it it worked on that level for me extremely well. Every sequence is arresting in its own bizarre way, uh, right up to you know truly uh, unforgettable. Is a word that is often overused uh, in this podcast <laughs> and in film writing elsewhere. But hmm. I, you would be a hard praise to to at least forget at a bare minimum what happens in the last scene in this movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> and yeah I, yeah, I I I love that this one parked uh, in my I, memory. Yeah. No, okay like, i make yeah, up
2: yeah. Uh, um mm. let me let me wrap this up this is a bit of a can of worms but i think it's worth noting which is that tatana has been in theaters for a few weeks now and it opened it's been like, for two
3: it, weekends two weekends
2: really oh okay two weeks um but it opened like a lot of theaters uh i don't know if people are too aware of this but Five, like, it opened at
3: about 500 theaters yeah. which is not a Huge release, but it's actually the same number of theaters more, give or take, that Lamb opened this past weekend, and Lamb made about twice as much money, so I I, don't know... But
2: the the flag that I'm throwing here is like, the, the old fashioned limited release is not happening right now, and I don't know how many of our listeners really know that, but like People, these movies are not opening in 5 theaters and then 15 theaters. I was going back and looking at like Parasite and how that kind of built sure. momentum to something that grossed like 80 million dollars or something in in mm-hmm. the US. It's unfathomable what Neon did with that movie. And here they're opening it straight into 500 theaters and it's bombing. And I'm wondering if it's like is it something that's kind of broken with that choice or the need to do that in this blockbuster landscape and then get Tatan on P V O D as soon as possible. We're like, what is the play there? Did they overestimate that this movie had after no, i came think... out? Like it's a bit it's like a horror movie, so everyone will go see it, maybe. Well,
3: they would have they would have I'm sure they would have loved, like any other company would, for Titan to make more money than it did in its opening weekend. Um I do think uh, movies like Raw, uh certainly Lamb have the horror bump. Um and Titan for however it was sold was not sold as a horror movie it was sold as sort of a wild you have to see it sort of thing um and i had the the privilege of or the prestige rather of winning the palm d'Or. but this is a movie that is in all likelihood i have no inside information on this but it, it and i would be shocked if it does not wind up suddenly on pov PO, pvod um similar to the way that the green knight did similar to the way the zola did yeah, definitely. Uh, mm. within about three weeks time um and they won't announce that far in advance uh, and there'll be a lot of excitement around it as people finally get a chance to see it and to torrent it, and everyone who yeah. Do you think uh, is this is more of the Amazon strategy? Gonna is, start.
2: is this like um, I, remember, I remember a while ago we talked about Amazon puts movies in movie theaters just to promote them for when they come to the Amazon platform. Is this is like yeah? I mean, yeah. well, that
3: is the that, I mean that really is the game for specialized uh, theatrical that they they have to treat the theatrical yeah. like a glorified advertising campaign, but they can still it can be an ad campaign that when movie theaters, if and when movie theaters return to their former glory, they can also make a lot of money on the way there. Tatin was probably a tough sell. The Palme d'Or doesn't sell as many tickets in the United States as it may abroad, um, where Titan is, I believe, been a lot more successful in France where it opened over the summer. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. There, The Reaganomics of the box office, I mean, Trickle Down does not work anywhere. It doesn't work at the, the banks doesn't work at the box office. Uh, the fact that Venom made $90 million opening weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I just watched the Mayor Pete documentary, so I'm raring to go. I have all my talking points. I'm shaking. I'm doing my fist with a little thumb thing. Um, But uh, the fact that Venom made $90 million means jack shit for the specialty box office. That money does not find its way down. Um, So, which is unfortunate. I do think that that will change. You already have movies like The Rescue, which is an excellent documentary by the people who made Free Solo, um, who are reverting back to a more traditional platform release. And that did, by pandemic standards, very well this previous weekend. Um, We'll see if it's able to hold as it expands. But yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. Um, Once upon a time, two years ago, Tatan probably could have opened on four screens rather than 572, and probably, you know, sold out every seat in those four screens. And uh gone from there. I think the French Dispatch and Parallel Mothers, because uh films I mean the French Dispatch is a huge test, but Almodovar films always have very high per screen averages. Um and that's in December. But I think those movies are really gonna be indicative of how things are going on the indie scene. Um but we will see. I don't think Tatam was ever going to be much of a bellwether. Sounds like it not like, gonna it'll be on shift DOD. gears into a big Uh, Can we just reverse back through this whole segment and (laughs) cut out all these stupid Uh, fucking
2: puns? Let's turn our turn signals on and segue to... Uh, No, no segues. All right, we have a
3: music break.
0: (laughs) End of segment. The the segue
3: of Titan movies, where she fucks a segue?
0: So, guys, we all went into theaters and saw the final James Bond movie in the Daniel Craig saga, which began with Casino Royale, where the uh, Eon company that owns the rights to James Bond was like, hey, we've got this guy. He's a sexist, but he's worth a lot of money. What are we going to do? So they <laughs> they Jason Bourned him and cast Daniel Craig and all the old Krusty Bond fans like myself were like, this is a short blonde man uh this seems like it's not going to work but lo and behold i think uh mostly because of Matt campbell who also did goldeneye um uh, casino royale was great matt martin Campbell. martin campbell martin, martin, campbell. Campbell. martin campbell
1: sorry guys a matt direct a bond movie you the only you? name we
2: didn't pronounce correctly on this very eurocentric <laughs> <laughs> episode was martin campbell it was martin campbell <laughs> um
0: uh, anyway casino royale ended up being pretty good kicked off a new era of daniel craig bonds sometimes those movies would have diminishing returns can can
3: we just just asterisk sidebar yeah pretty pretty good pretty good yeah pretty good do you like when you when you like walk through the louvre and you see Uh i don't want to go with the mona lisa what else is in the louvre uh when you see that other painting in the louvre Uh,
0: everything everything else
3: yeah Come on. do you, you just shrug you're like, yeah pretty good they they, yep. they, they they solid ground ground uh, single yeah basically
0: what do you think a james honestly. bond movie is david
3: what's I mean, your Casino definition royale of a james is, bond movie is high art as far as i'm concerned scene royale really... is
0: good very good i like it a lot oh, i don't amazing. know why pretty good was like yeah uh, I, I didn't take that as a diss
3: no that's a diss
0: Considering what they were up against, coming off of No Time to Die with uh, Pierce Brosnan and having like no idea what to do with the character, die another day, die another day. day. (laughs) Oh god, No Time to Die is this one. (laughs) Anyway, wrapping up uh, the run of the Daniel Craig movies, we have uh, No Time to Die, which is Cary Fukunaga, who's I think the last thing I saw him do was Maniac. Did he do another movie in between here? Okay, so Maniac on Netflix um uh, he's back or he was back uh like a year ago when this movie was finished but now we finally get to see it it's in theaters it's long it's like 162 minutes or some such uh and i'm going to throw it is a lot of movie i'm going to throw to katie to describe Ooh. this movie and her experiences we with should it say because...
2: that we are going to do a spoiler section to this conversation yeah. because this is the grand finale. And there are many spoilers at the end of The Gun Barrel. Uh. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if I'm doing all the plot description, I should say, you you may think I am a rube for not seeing Bergman movies, but I also haven't seen that many Bond movies, so I'm not that conversant. Have I'm you like, seen what Spectre? What a Bond movie. I, yeah. Oh, in theory, Dimital. I remember <laughs> virtually nothing about Spectre. That's, I've seen all fine. the Craig Bonds, um, and I've seen some browsing ones And that. Anyway, not as relevant. Uh, it's a Bond movie in which... Uh, <laughs> actually, how many Bond movies begin with him in retirement and being like... <sighs> I guess I'll come back because that's how Skyfall and this one start. And I'm not clear on how much of a Bond Skyfall
3: does not is. start with him in retirement. Skyfall well, starts just... with him in the middle of a mission in Istanbul yes. and then he gets yes. shot and yeah. they think he's dead. And he rocks with his face. Two
1: movies of Bond in like a very beautiful looking island location, like living a fine life and then deciding to go back into service for some That is true. I mean,
3: the difference, the difference is that in Skyfall, he is a terrible alcoholic who is falling apart. And yes. in uh, in No Time to Die, he is living a good life.
1: Yeah, well, and also No Time to Die doesn't open with him in retirement. It opens uh, five years earlier with him in uh, some beautiful town in Italy with Lea Seydoux, who I should remember being Inspector she and is. being the love of his life. Sure don't. Doctor Madeline meet... Swan. Did they meet in like a snow thing oh, on they, a mountain? Yeah, they went skiing. Okay, sure did okay. See, all but right. She's
3: went try. to the right. Desert, daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And they I, went to the, they went to the desert, and then like eight seconds after they met, and four seconds after they boned for the first time, uh-huh. he's being tortured by Blofeld, and she's like, "I love you, she James." Does say I love you, and it's oh. like you guys met oh. literally yesterday.
1: <laughs> I mean, guys, Spectre but, okay. came out in twenty fifteen, yeah, which I don't minute. know, like it was before like the Trump administration it was before I had children. The like the, to be expected to remember anything from that year is uh, above Amazing. and beyond. Anyway, she's with him. There's a big old action sequence that rules, and then he leaves her. Five years later, uh, he's on an island in the Caribbean uh, living a great life. And then Jeffrey duh, Wright
4: duh.
1: Uh, and uh, the CIA agent he calls Book of Mormon, played by Billy Magnuson, come <laughs> knocking and uh, throw him back into action. And I don't know, like, it seems like people think that spoilers on this movie can be just about anything. So I don't want to go super far beyond well, that. Ana de shows up. I mean, one
2: thing to, to note uh, that we kind of glossed over is he, he leaves Madeline behind because he believes that she might be a secret Spectre agent and that he's getting Vespered again. Um, and Vesper, we, he goes to her grave in the five years prior uh, scene.
1: He does. And
2: mm-hmm. so this is not just I'd connecting he back to, yeah, this is not just connecting to, to Spectre, the bad movie. It's connecting to Casino to Royale, the good movie. Um, the good one, and and I don't know. It's interesting hiring Kerry Fukunaga to make this movie because, as we said, it's really tied into the the lore or the history of of the previous movie of Spectre, bad movie, um, and, and that no one cares about, no one remembers. And you hire Fukunaga, who he he kind of wears two hats, or you know, his he's really after True Detective becomes known as as a stylist or as this kind of like visual auteur. He could do oneers and big crane shots and action scenes and Maniac is just like this explosion of production design and speculation. Um, but he's also the guy who made Sinombre and adapted Jane Eyre. He's like a dramatist uh, and that's what...
1: Uh, Beast of No Nation. Yeah,
2: and I think that... And Beast of No Nation is actually comparable to this where it's like melding those two worlds really intensely. But you, you hire Fukunaga to make sense of the emotional baggage that or the emotional... Uh, goulash of this series that makes absolutely no sense and like swirl it all together and try and bring it home. And I think he does. I think it's pretty astonishing. It's a bit of a miracle that this movie, and maybe this is a testament to Daniel Craig's performance too, that like I was feeling things during this movie. I was feeling things about bond and him being like dad figure to these, to this MI six crew that he, as I have been back and forth with many people over, like, He's such a good friend and everyone's like he's a terrible friend he doesn't care about any of these people <laughs> he's never taken care of them and i'm like but it feels like he has in this movie um and it feels like he has a relationship with madeline swan in this movie and, I don't know, Bond is a nice guy. And, like, the yeah. Felix Leiter he, stuff in this he movie.
1: Ruins, he ruins Q's date night and doesn't He drinks Q's
2: date it. wine. Like, that's God.
3: unacceptable. Yeah,
1: I would be no, so mad. I mean, the little, opening,
3: little. Uh, the, the, I think the, it's the longest pre-credits sequence in the franchise. It must be. It's, like, 25 minutes long. Um, ends on a note that would be, it feels a lot closer in tone to a Richard Linklater before movie than it does a James Bond movie. When he sort of... Uh, tearfully parts ways with Madeline. Is like, I'm never going to see you again because he can't be brought to trust her. He's too vulnerable um, and all of this stuff. I mean, it really does anticipate a movie that is at its best. And I would say it doesn't even go far enough in this respect when it is about James Bond as a character, um, which it is what this run of James Bond movies has done best. And there's so much shitty baggage left over from Spectre that this movie has to do away with as to throw to see um, without, you know, completely invalidating one of the five movies in this uh, quintology, and uh, it does the best that it can on that score. But I, I think that the middle ninety minutes of this movie is kind of a wash, but that the first thirty mm. minutes and the last thirty minutes, especially if you take Rami Malek, who's, lo- I mean, I really we haven't talked stand about it. him at all yet. Whatever. Yeah, well, he he's doesn't a show me- He, he, he doesn't a show up for a real while. Late. Yeah, and he does like such generic James Bond villain shit. They really seem to phone that in. As many people pointed out, it feels out, like a joke. It though. does. It does it rely does feel like on like the the facial disfiguration and like uh, and the stuff that
0: random orientalism. Yeah, yeah,
3: orientalism. and all this crap. And it's just it really is like a soup of all the worst James Bond. Yeah, but his tropes, name is
2: Lucifer Safin. Lucifer.
3: Lucifer. Maybe
1: maybe don't name your kid that. The yeah
3: maybe not uh and but uh yeah other but i thought that like the story they're able to tell around that character you know aside from the shit with blofeld that comes back for one you know unnecessary scene uh it is strong and i think does refocus the movie ultimately on what made this run of movies so special hmm. uh
1: the fact that blofeld so as I said, I don't remember Spectre. I remember not liking it. I remember pretty much nothing. Christoph Waltz does in Spectre, I am the author and of I was... <laughs> all your pain. <laughs> sure. I believe that that is a thing. Uh, and I was dreading him showing up, and then I really liked him in his, like, very brief appearance in this. And I don't know what magic was being worked, but something was going One well. Scene but Dave, I, I interrupted your uh, hum to... Yeah, yeah no, I just said... No, hair. Dave, yeah.
2: I want to ask the question that you asked David earlier, because I think it is kind of pivotal when we talk about Bond movies. Everyone has a different idea of like what a Bond movie should be. I've just seen so much discourse in the lead up to the release of this movie, where people are like, "The only good Bond movies are the Daniel Craig ones, and everything before it is like old fashioned. It sucks, and they are not modern enough for me. I will never watch them." And I'm like, I want to say maybe every Bond movie is like a generational thing. Thing. It's when you connect with the series first. What is a Bond movie to you? Is this a good Bond movie?
0: Uh, I the reason no, I, don't, I don't think this is a good Bond movie because I think it's stretched between being a James Bond movie that is wrapping up what James Bond is and keeping the essence of James Bond and an ending to this character that they built like a Jenga tower. So Vesper Lynd is in the Casino Royale book. That bitch is dead is supposed to be like a cold line where it's like Bond decides to turn off his emotions. Off he goes. Then, you know, he gets married in one of the books and then he goes after Blofeld after because Blofeld kills his wife, yada, yada, yada. So there's like this James Bond character that exists in the books. The movies are like, fuck all that. Every day, a new adventure. And that's what becomes <laughs> James Bond to people is like these series of filmmaking tropes that are very much based around how big action films were capable of being made and uh, what was like attractive to an American audience in like the 60s 70s and 80s uh, then they you know tried to reboot it with Pierce Brosnan and it was sort of like a parody of all those things but zero attempt to create any sort of character bond existed for Pierce Brosnan to introduce him each movie with the first shot coming in and being like Pierce Brosnan's here and you're like oh fuck yeah there's James Bond I love him Daniel Although, Craig again, and
3: the Martin Campbell movie that starts the Pierce Brosnan run Goldeneye has some actual emotional heft to it even though what you're saying is true in that, Yeah, like, yes but it, it, it's been then abandoned receptive. after
0: Goldeneye like it's there for yeah. Goldeneye so I don't feel that weird about it well because the, James because Bond- the,
3: the, big, the big difference of this uh, Daniel Craig run is that they the, the thing that they took from modern times and tried to adapt to the trend was the idea of serialized storytelling trying to make these uh, this interconnected cinematic universe and Quantum of Solace becoming the first true James Bond sequel
0: Right, uh, which is uh, a admirable thing to try. I think this movie has a lot of good, pure James Bond things in it because, again, it's the people who have been making James Bond since the beginning, but I think they are not the type of people to make that sort of detailed, layered, complex story because they made a James Bond. It's just not recognizable to me as James Bond based on decisions he makes here that prove the entire time he's kind of been like a hurt, sad, orphaned, adopted boy, like, always his family's coming back to, like, hurt him. And, like, James Bond doesn't have a family. That's something he turns off in Casino Royale. And so it's always felt weird to me that each movie, the the thing in this supposedly serialized series is that each movie he has to overcome his sad boy thing from his past, like, the mistake that he made. And he's endlessly overcoming that, which is fine, But that's just like, that could be a serial killer, that could be a doctor, that could be a politician. James Bond is like the super spy, sex addict, chauvinist of uh, like uh, American and British uh, cinematic history. I just feel like there are more interesting ways to take him than what if these things were both simultaneously very real to James Bond, like actual traumas, uh, being tortured, pressed up against things like Javier Bardem's character in Skyfall... That could like take off half of his face or in this plot where the it's a virus that's gonna like break out it's like a super virus and they're trying to keep it
2: secret from other governments what was the bad thing that they were trying to do in this movie it's so confusing
1: nanobot oh sorry spoiler we should yeah i mean yeah na- the, the
0: virus is nanobot it doesn't matter it doesn't matter anyway it, it I makes mean, yeah, you see why they delayed matter. it
1: you can imagine them like in March 2020 being about to release this movie. They're like, oh, fuck, we can't do this. We can't like, do this. We the, really got to delay this The reason thing. they delayed
2: it was the actual virus, though. Just I
1: know, but you just know <laughs> that like they're like, oh, they talk about quarantining people in our movie. Right. No one's going to oh, want to see this. I mean, it is it's wild just...
3: how much the virus heist scene that comes right after the prologue borrows from the uh, Shanghai building attack with the sniper in skyfall i mean the aesthetic yeah. of it is it's really uncanny anyway
0: i mean i think and they're trying to do that like i think they're trying to like echo weird james bond isms because obviously we have no- all the time in the world the second he you know says that to madeline i'm like that's mm-hmm. what he says to his wife And you know, on his majesty's secret service i know that's somebody telling me get ready for james bond to be sad but i'm like i've <sighs> already seen that I've, this james bond is just sad like that's his thing so that's what's always felt weird to me about casino uh, the casino royale period is it works really mm. well in casino royale but then they don't build on it and that's they don't the thing connect is it that
3: correctly he's not i mean i just have a fundamental disagreement with that perspective because i feel like what makes this james bond so interesting is not that he's sad it's that he's trying so hard not to be sad it's the mm. elimination of sadness that is the conflict for the character. Um, and that is his struggle over the course of these movies, keeping this sadness at bay in all of the shapes and forms that it takes and eventually sort of learning a way to stop doing that and uh, it, take chances, embrace some sort of uh, stake into his life. I mean, it's like a guy... The tension here is that he's a guy saving the world in every movie. He's literally saving every human being on Earth, um, and or I guess whichever ones are gene targeted in this movie. And uh, but trying to minimize the personal stakes as much as humanly possible. And what happens when the stakes become more personal, uh, but the world is still on the line? And like right, that. But-
0: and not but not leaning into that in the correct way leads to a scene in this movie where he's talking to M and M has to explain to James Bond how he feels a bond towards serving the country before everything else. It's like, who mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking to? This guy's is, Bond has is given up everything. You shouldn't have to have that conversation with James Bond. Yeah, the audience I doesn't mean... need to see it. It's like I, that that's like a sign to me. Like it's a different character that I that I'm that I'm watching.
3: I completely agree with your take that the brockleeds and the, the people overseeing the franchise just didn't really have their head in the game for what it would mean to serialize this character. Um, you can see mm. that in Quantum of Solace, which is a big misfire, in that they're so oh, in that's... and out, like so uncertain. Quantum about... was
2: all caught up in the WGA strike; it didn't even have a script. Like it's a yeah, I I'm mean, but, sure but like that a is. Uh, I mean, that
3: that may be a disclaimer on their part, and for sure, but whatever the case might be. How it turned out is a movie that is really ambivalent about whether it wants to commit to the sort of shared universe and mythology that comes with it. I mean, you have that quantum scene at the opera where they're sort of like flirting with the idea of quantum being this big, mad, mysterious organization. Obviously, the movie starts with Mr. White still in his car from Casino Royale, but it really abandons a lot of that stuff. And then Skyfall has, again, sort of one foot in, one foot out, but it's such a good movie that it really just gets to the core of who James Bond is, but doesn't really need to get into it. And inspector Spectre goes whole hog the other way, completely tips the boat, and I think gives you a movie worth No Time to Die that has to have really clumsy scenes that seem like they're contradicting themselves, like the one Dave mentioned, um, because there really isn't a way to square that hole, um, but or square that circle. But it's kind of a mess. But I think Daniel Craig's performance holds it all together Let's, uh, in a way that is yeah, tough to this, deny. Yeah, this
0: movie's really fun to look at. And uh, when Bond is doing his Bond things, which is just being his O self and in full action mode, the movie really clicks into place. It's just, it's sort of like, I get hiring him to do like drama and do dramatic pieces. And I do think that Daniel Craig is trying his hardest. I just, I feel like he's lacking chemistry with most of the people he needs to be close to in this movie. And I feel like this movie chooses uh, times to have those conversations completely randomly.
3: I would argue, maybe with a touch of devil's advocacy, that, especially having just watched Spectre again last night, and just remembering all over again the ways in which the movie doesn't work. But the Madeline Swan thing, where she's like, I love you, and you see that relationship take root. It feels so forced even then, um, that... It does, I, I think it's probably a fair take to say that James is consciously forcing the issue or subconsciously forcing the issue that like he knows that Vesper Lynn is the one true love for him and he is just trying to funnel all of these humanizing feelings into his relationship with Madeline Swan by hook or by crook um, because that is where the trajectory of his character is going and he knows that she's sort of his last chance for him to do that but that he doesn't necessarily love her as more... Than uh, sort of a vessel for those feelings.
0: They've created a character where that's definitely possible, but they don't put him in a movie that gives him an opportunity where he can say that to anybody. So what we're We're left with is Daniel Craig like acting through his face.
3: Nonsense. He's good at acting through his face. I mean, he does a really good job of it. I just think that like all the scenes where they go to, I mean, the scene in Cuba is fun. But then like the scene in the sinking ship after that, and then there's like a whole mishmash of stuff in the middle where it's just like none of this is all padding it out i had me. i had a lot of also... with that stuff
2: but wait wait i want to i, I oh, want to
1: yeah.
3: shift gears uh
1: no 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 wrong movie um
2: whoops uh let's reprogram throw... the nanowire let's, let's say this is the spoiler section because i actually want to hear from katie who i know uh, if i saw twitter correctly you really liked this movie
1: really like. it and we should
2: talk about spoilers so that you can specifically talk about what you liked because i'm wondering if there were like it was the action scenes or if there were their character moments or like what were the specific things that you really liked about the movie because i feel like it just has so many scenes it has so many things that happen.
1: well i definitely had this like unexpected visceral moment because i hadn't been to a movie theater to see a big movie since green night and green Knight is a very good movie but not like yeah popcorn kind of thing and so like when it opens up and it's like the barrel of the gun and james bond like points the gun at the camera i just like got this like like shiver like i was so excited to be seeing this huge fucking bond movie in a movie theater and it like the italy sequence rules and then i mean i'm just gonna like listen and like, then this part's awesome and yeah. seeing jeffrey wright show up seeing Lashawna Lynn show up as 007 we should talk about her because I wish she our, had more to friend do joanna robinson so i joanna said this too and like Obviously, it would have been cool if she'd had more to do, but she's pretty integral to the story. She gets a True. ton of great lines and some great action sequences. Um, the kind of, like, push-pull of respect between her and Bond, I think, is really interesting. I thought she was great in this. Like
2: Maybe that criticism, like maybe my criticism of, at, she had more to do was, uh, was just that, like, I really liked her in it. And I'm like, oh. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, and I, like, I really gorgeous. liked Ana de Armas in it, too. But And I kind of dug how, like, she shows up. She kicks ass for the sequence. She's really, like bubbly and fun in that sequence which is not something you often see from like women well, in amazing thigh high dresses and then she pieces out and you're like oh i miss her yeah. but like i'm okay moving on because she's she's done with her part of it and it would yeah. be great to see her again but if not she's, she's safe it for a scene oh
0: god she's a bond girl she's safe that's what i thought yeah. well, <laughs> like, oh, god. And, and they so don't delicious.
3: they don't have sex with each other because james bond is a one woman man now yeah, she, like, um, laughs
1: him off when he thinks that she's trying to have sex with him, which is awesome. Like, he should have that happen to him more.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the the interesting thing about her character is, as you guys were just saying, she's such a contrast to James Bond. Whereas Lashawna Lynch, who is delightful in this movie, is also, a, in some article I was reading, was referring to it as a Trinity problem. Um, I'm not sure if that's, like, <laughs> common parlance or if this is just something nerds have invented, but um, it you know it refers to a character that's just like the hero but why are they not the hero because the hero has to be the hero and the hero is a man in this case and in the case of the matrix and, and so many of these stories and it's like she is ju- another 007 literally and that doesn't really do as much it feels like luigi playing along with mario in a mario game huh. where she's like another character right um who like maybe jumps a little higher and is skinnier and like that's Kind of the difference. <laughs> um, and it, it, it doesn't really leave an impression for me. I think it obviously has a tremendous sort of metatextual weight as to what James Bond is, um, as a character, yeah. as a franchise for me, or as a cultural force. Um, but in the movie itself, as charismatic and fun to watch as LeSean Lynch is, I don't think that character does a lot, to the actual meat of the story. I mean,
2: she definitely exists to complicate Bond, but I do think they have a great rapport. Like I love those scenes where they're walking through MI6. C- and someone's like 007. They do the most obvious joke where they're both like, huh? and, um, yes. mm-hmm. and and just like all the back and forth over her being like, "This is my space now. I this is this is my role. Get out of here." And he wants to be out of there. It's which makes her handing over the 007. Uh, yeah no, that was later in the movie so baffling because it's weird. like he doesn't even yeah. want to be 007 anymore just let her be 007 who wants this this seems like why weird manipulation a,
3: num- a double o number it's all about just identifying somebody like shouldn't there only be one 007 and then the next time the person could be 014 or whatever Yeah, hang his tuxedo oh, jersey <laughs> up
2: uh, in the halls of mi6 <laughs> Retire them. Yeah, no, I've got, I've got a bone to pick with It's not the title; MI6. it's oh, the cool.
0: it's not the title; it's the name. Any old James Bond fan will tell you there could be limitless 007s because they're also limitless James Bonds. They've all been James Bond. Oh, mm. is well, this a multiverse theory? Uh, mm.
1: Well then let's talk about my actual favorite new character, which is Billy Magnuson as the CIA agent. Oh my least favorite. Chipper and Fresh Right. Oh my god, he's so except for of course Rami Malik, who is the worst
3: character in the movie. Oh terrible, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: Rami Malik is probably the worst character in the movie, but I just love him as like this like chipper American guy who smiles too much, who Bond wants nothing to do with, and then spoiler, turns out to be the bad guy and is really good at being this crazy bad guy. He gets introduced by by Daniel Craig looking at him and saying, Who's the blonde? which is hilarious. Uh, and comes right after, like, a really egregious shot of Daniel Craig in short shorts with, like, on a boat, uh, fish. which is amazing. Yeah. like And, like, there was obviously that famous shot of him in his bathing suit in Casino Royale, but this is, like, the, the bookend to that. Uh, anyway, Billy Magnuson, A+, what? no notes.
3: I just thought, I mean, I, I think the same reason you liked him so much is the same reason I didn't, which is that he has the, the total wrong energy to be in a James Bond movie. And I understand it's like a fun American energy note to play. But, yeah. he, well, it's like a goofy, like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here, guys. But, like, I don't think that he has the material, the jokes, the screen presence to uh, sell that. And I was just as soon as he showed up, I was like, this fucking guy, I'm just waiting for him to to do a heel turn and he does. And I thought he was sort of unctuous the entire time. And I couldn't have been happier for the movie to dispose of it. Yeah. But it's so satisfying when he dies also that I'm
2: just, yet another set piece of this movie that I'm only remembering now with this chase scene in the misty forest where (laughs) he gets to just, he just shoots (laughs) Billy Magnus into the face like eight times or something after he crashed. That,
3: that chase scene is very metal gear solid of like James Bond slowing down, like setting up traps Waiting. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so, I was
0: like, this um, is a great finale sequence, but then I realized I was at Alamo so Draft House more. and they hadn't brought me my check yet, which meant that I still had like forty three minutes to go. I was like, Oh,
3: oh no! Wait, yeah. if we're if- I don't know. I mean, I don't have any bone to pick with Billy Magnuson. I just thought that 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 character wasn't really. We're, we're talking like, and it's also like in, uh, in the parts of for the movie that he's in. There's the parts that I thought we should lose. But whatever. if we're
2: if we're talking VIPs of this movie, I actually I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this character, but uh, David Densick's scientist character. Valdo Abruchev, uh, who seems like a total like mirror image of Alan Cummings, Golden Eye (laughs) character. I feel like (laughs) Fukunaga loves the the Brosnan movies as much as any other era, Um, probably because of his age. That would make sense. But um, yeah, what a fantastic Russian scientist. I just like having these kind of stock elements in a Bond movie. Uh, This movie indulges so much in the cornball aspects of Bond. And it was really surprising to have this kind of emotional finale also have cybernetic eyes and nanobot viruses and a wacky Russian scientist who gets thrown into an pit.
0: Should have been all that. That's all the good
3: stuff. Or like gravity elevator shaft. Talk to us about why you didn't like the ending. Yeah.
0: Uh why didn't I like the ending? The
2: ending. Wait, before Mm. we talk about the ending, can we talk about how James Bond had uh, a child and he's a dad and how I cried.
0: Yeah, so he has a child <laughs> and he's a dad and then the villain has the child and then there's a, there's a really tense standoff and then the villain's like, mm, the child bit me, I'm done trying to get a hold of the child anymore. Just let the child bit, child, child bit Dave? me.
3: <laughs> they bite hard <laughs> even when they're young.
0: I'm just, there's, there's so much at the climax of this movie where it comes together at the end. And Bond gets shot by a bunch of missiles after getting infected with the virus that means he could never be near his uh, lover child again. Then I'm like, I see where you were going with this, but it it is a long walk for a tiny glass of water or whatever the fucking phrase is. Like, it's, it's the whole thing about, like, James Bond, like, being unkillable and a, like, sex addict that never has children. You're gonna slam those both together and then, like, give me maybe 20 minutes to deal with it. It's,
3: it's, uh, it, it seems... First of all, weird. James Bond probably has 47 children. This is just the only <laughs> child he knows about.
0: Sure. yes, But I mean, you're making, you're making a choice to do this, and I see what you're trying to do, and do like family, and you've already killed off the rest of his family, or they're Blofeld, because he's adopted. And it doesn't matter. I didn't actually see Spectre. I just read the summation <gasps> of Spectre. No, it was funny, because I was like, Whatever happened to Quantum? And then you know,
3: I read the <laughs> read oh the things what happened to Quantum is there's one line inspector in where they're like, yeah, Quantum, was just a subsidiary inspector. Don't worry about yeah, it. we you acquired know? them right, right.
2: in a in a deal and uh,
3: yeah, and we, we had, had Quantum, we had
2: we're uh, we bouncing back. We had
0: <laughs> I just think we had Quibi. Uh, <laughs> It's a big move, and it's not a big move. They earn it just by, uh, like Katie's saying, like the last time we saw Bond on screen was pre-Trump presidency. And like, as somebody who was alive and of critical thinking, movie-going age when Casino Royale came out, I've been on this trip with everybody except Spectre, and they've earned the ability to try this. Does it work for me? Absolutely not. It's just one of the things in the movie... That Rings is not a James Bond movie somewhere at its core. I love he goes to a party and there's an eye on a pillow because Blofeld's been talking to himself and he's been controlling Spectre with the fucking eye, and he thinks he has Bond in a trap, but no! The crazy nanobot gas has been programmed but to take Spectre out. That's how fucking insane Bond is. That's uh, the like, odd job Bond. You know, you do... That's the Jaws Bond, that's the Moonraker Bond, that's the Golden Eye Bond. Bond
3: when you do serious bond, like these movies have, it's a fine line. And that eyeball, because it was once attached, I guess, or not, it was controlled to Blofeld, um, is across the line for me. I just like everything to do with Blofeld inspector and this movie is on, is on the wrong side of the line for me. It's just too silly to compute.
0: Well, I mean, again, it's just, it's trying to be both of those movies for me in Italy. When the car and the motorbike are trying to get him on the skinny bridge and he has to dive behind like the block to like get it out and then he gets the motorbike guy and he's choking him and the eye pops out. I'm like, fuck yes, yeah. James Bond, yes. let's go.
1: Also the part where Ray Fine says, Q, hack into Blofeld's bionic eye and it just it just works and you're yes. just I hope he enjoyed saying that line as much as I I wish he had just like done
2: hand waving as he was saying it. Like, <laughs> okay, cybernetic eye. Hack just a that. quick yes. a quick sidebar
3: is that this the town in Italy where they filmed it is called uh, Matera and it is the umpteenth reminder. That one of the key things about James Bond movies are the locations and using real life locations in truly psychotic ways, whether it's having motorcycles along the top of the Grand Bazaar in Turkey in the beginning of Skyfall or, uh, you know, the whatever the fucking satellite place was in Goldeneye or whatever the case might be. And the one thing I think above anything else, above who plays James Bond or what they look like or where they come from or any of that shit that I think is essential to the future of this franchise, if it has one, is keeping seriously insane location cinematography the number one thing yeah, call you, can't, I mean, like, you can't You can't shoot a
2: Bond movie in an Atlanta soundstage.
3: You cannot. Yeah. It is the antithesis of that. It is the repudiation to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it in works sense, like it no matter how bad this movie will work. be,
2: they're always. I mean, yeah. I was watching Spectre, part of Spectre on FX the other night, and uh, I it was spe- specifically the part where they're being captured by Blofeld. We were describing Madeline Swan saying, I love you in the weirdest way possible. But then what's the next scene? Uh, Bond runs out of the compound, just shooting people left and right from far distances. Amazing. Um, but it's a real compound that they run to the outskirts of. And then they set off the biggest explosion in movie history. The entire building blows up. It's real. They did it in like one take and it looks incredible. Um, it just even on television in a shitty movie, Bond movies are still prevailing. And I think, yeah, at some level, I love is, I really why... enjoyed No Time to Die beginning to end because it's just pulling these moments out every every other
3: second. hmm. Which is why that like oh, God, I hate to go down this road and in a conversation that shift I'm sure it's gears, clogged, sure, a zillion yeah. different shitty subreddits and shift gears uh, <laughs> into fucking park car. with this. But like, why Christopher Nolan seems like uh, such a such a natural choice to direct a Bond movie? Whatever.
1: <laughs> but now he's already made like I mean, isn't that just what ten? Yeah, was, I mean, it basically? would
3: seem redundant. You're right, but like that's also like that's I guess I guess what a, a better way of saying it is like. That's the lesson that he learned from these movies and takes into his own work and makes his stuff stand out,
1: which is really valuable that like there's, you know, like Christopher Nolan and Bond franchises are among like five entities that can make an expensive globetrotting movie like this these days. So like, God mm. love them. Let them keep doing it. Let, let's have two.
2: Mm-hmm. You guys want to talk yeah. about
1: what you want the future wait, wait, of Bond to be? Before
2: there? we talk about the future Bond, we didn't actually answer the okay. po- question posed at the beginning of our spoiler section. Bond dies. Bon- they kill James Bond. They killed him. Yeah. He got exploded yeah. by millions of missiles. The only way to kill it's Bond. It's as if
1: Daniel Craig was like, I'm absolutely not coming back. You cannot leave a I backdoor option for me to be in the next one. Pat just said to
3: me before the movie started, do you think that will happen? And I said, nah, I don't think so. Nah. And then what they
2: launched 100 missiles at his face and he blew up. Uh I loved it. I
0: yeah, loved it as it, as, it, as it. soon as he said as soon as he said we have all the time in the world in the like second sequence of the movie, I'm like, fuck, they're gonna do it.
1: Because that's... And his his daughter's stuffy coupling up with it. Like that's so sad. She's gonna miss that thing. She doesn't know him.
3: She will. Well, she, she can't. Yeah, but she can just what? go and... back and watch the previous twenty four movies like, <laughs> oh, okay, so he was Sean Connery, and then he was <laughs>
0: As soon as Bond touches that stuffy, it's infected with the virus that will immediately kill her. So thank God she hands. never gets Wash that stuffy back. Is it,
1: is it surface transmissible? Yes, or is it's, it like only,
0: co- it's only surface. That's why he has but to I choke it Blofeld. Was like skin,
1: I thought it was skin to skin, not like... Uh, We're going to have like, to get Fauci like, 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 to win like, like, uh, on this.
2: this. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's
0: a good, that's a good point.
2: Fauci on the nanobots.
0: Anyway, so, uh, such a weird conclusion. But it was emotional. I, I,
1: I, was, sad. I was sad. It sad. happened. Uh, but I, the the whole like love story between him and Madeline Swan is I still like didn't
2: But that moment into, is but, not you know, about that moment is not about Madeline Swan and him. It is about him, the country, his service, his life. It's like opening the bomb doors to just it's self-sacrifice. It's it's what he can't do. He always has to keep fighting and here he is not giving up. He's just ending. I just I I thought that was Emotional. I like
0: that. I like the hu- the hallway fight up to open the gates the first time. I dig that because I think that does accomplish what you're talking about. It's the good, second good act. Water. Yeah, It's the second act of that where then he has to fight Saffron in a pool and get punched with a vial of mystery virus that that seems to uh, reduce it a little bit. But I estimation. think
3: this should happen to... I mean, given the, the nature of the character and how he is effectively... Infinite and eternal. I mean, I think this should happen to I don't know fifty percent of all James Bonds at the end of their run. Like w- this is uh, a completely yes. valid one of two options to retire the actor and then start something ha- new. It would never and have. we made treating sense. it like an existential crisis. But, you know, of course, it would not. It have couldn't made have, have killed Pierce like, more Bond. Yeah.
4: Right, yes, and, yes, and like could. this
3: is the first. Well,
0: this he is did. The, the, the thing, is, and then Daniel Craig was back with a different M, and we're just like, "That's James no, Bond now." No,
2: like, you couldn't have killed the the no, most no, severe no, but, thing they could have done with Pierce Brosnan, which they did, is like dunk him, his head in ice water and torture the him stakes, in North Korea.
3: The stakes just weren't high enough to for it to make sense with Pierce Brosnan. Um, it's the only, this is the only reason they could have done it here is because they actually had the dramatic ramp up for it. Um, whereas if it happened to Roger Moore or someone, you'd be like. Uh, okay but like roger moore doesn't know if he's coming back in two years i guess he's like 70 at this point in my head theoretically in 1989 when i'm setting this uh narrative but um yeah i mean like it's the only this is the first bond in which it's made sense uh and i assume that if they do continue to make more james bond movies they will have that sort of deeper emotional core and it may make sense again in the future but we're having such an exercise and he went out wearing a sweater i think
2: think that's really important too katie do you agree Mm
1: hmm Yeah. I mean, I, we talked to Vicky Creeps' network, we talked about James Bond's where. <laughs> Wait, did he put this? No, he didn't have the sweater. He took it off to give to his daughter. He's no! just in like a uh like a Henley <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> with suspenders. It's a good look.
0: It, it's it is still uh, So he, James Bond's so not I, a dad. No.
1: I don't have strong James Bond franchise feelings, as I said earlier. Definitely not like Dave, but I'm thinking of someone who grew up on the Austin Powers movies, that we have now yeah, moved baby. far enough past Austin Powers that we can go back to like swinging, silly, like, low-stakes Bond? Does that feel possible or likely I want all? to believe...
2: Go back in time.
1: Go I don't think they'll go back in time. in
2: time unless they just want to rip off Man From U.N.C.L.E. If it, I, here's what my... Which, why, I mean, why would no that be bad? Will,
1: no one will notice if That's they rip true. off Man That's From true. U.N.C.L.E. Nobody saw that movie. I mean,
2: I guess I, I have a hope that we won't go gritty again, that we will have to do high-flying fun. I, here's the thing. Every Bond run And every Bond movie seems to be uh, a parallel to something happening in the movies already. I think the Craig movies exist because of uh, Batman Begins and Jason Bourne, Um, not the Marvel movies that yet. I think Spectre flubs that like tries to fast track Marvel parallels really quickly. But I do think the next era of Bond will be Marvel-esque. And that scares me because you could just turn Bond into like, Tony Stark and do this kind of really bubbly, dumb comedy action stuff that, you know, it's, it has its place in Marvel, but I'd be worried about the tone of it just becoming Iron Man. Um, but I do think you could do hmm. something like I, I want silly ones again, or I want high flying fun. I guess I want from Man from Uncle. I just don't think they'll take it I back in Bond, time. I, I don't, yeah.
3: Well, I mean, Patch's saying is right that like Bond has always been on trend. But I think that the if I were uh, in the in the driver's seat and had no financial stake in what happened, uh, I would say that now is the time for Bond to go against the the trend and just to make something like super super tactile, super like set. Yeah, if you want to set it in the sixties, whatever. I mean, I think Bond it has to be contemporary, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I would I would you know resist every trend. Um, but find a way to make Bond not retrograde as a character. Like, that doesn't mean, you know, make him into, like, a fucking, like, Jeffrey Wells Troglodyte diet fucking <laughs> bash talking about how, like, the woke Khmer Rouge are coming after everyone. No um, one asked you to bring Jeffrey no. Wells into this. I, <laughs> but, um, I'm just, I was just trying to think of, like, what natter have I seen talking about, um... Uh, whatever and but the um the, yeah I, I just i think that like there is a certain extent it doesn't have to be about identity where bond pivots away from the marvelization of movies in the future i, I hope i mean then maybe key to is
2: a very, maybe very mission cool. impossible is taking up its space that i hope bond can mm. enter which is maybe more of a team movie or maybe like mission impossible is just striking the perfect tone of what the like post brosden movies could have been if they weren't character-centric, necessarily, or trying to go that deep, trying to have continuity. I mean, the Mar- those Mission Impossible movies have gained more continuity over time, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, what is the divergent But path, they're ending David? soon, like, what, and I think that does that's... Bond? I,
3: I think they're ending soon, and that's what is it good for Bond. I mean, Mission Impossible has two more left, and then they're done. Um, I th- and, and unlike Mission Impossible, which will be rebooted in some way, shape, or form, but there's really only one Tom Cruise they are going to um, have to go into that space. I, I, my only thinking is that they should enjoy the break. They should take at minimum five, seven years, and then wow. have a very. I mean, there, again, as we were saying, there are five years just between the last Daniel Craig Bond movie and this one, and no one really seemed to feel it. Um, there was a pandemic in the middle, but. Uh, and, and they you should do a really... It. Can a franchise like this they, take are, that I'm kind sure of break did. in this day and age? But I, no, but I think that they need to, as a buffer, and they need to have a very, very dramatic slow roll of whatever Bond is. I'm talking about, like, teaser trailer with no footage, a year and a half out, like, Super Bowl, like, really make it an event, not the kind of thing that's like, oh, maybe we'll go day and date. I mean, they need to position Bond, whatever Bond becomes, as this rare cultural milestone um and really just sort of blow the roof off i think that's the only way to do it
1: there were five years between license to kill and golden eye or six years sorry uh and there were six years between specter and this so i guess minimum six years we're going for
2: i mean I'm now, that, now that amazon has a stake or might uh i don't know if they'll wait that long or will. i guess yeah i doubt they'll wait that long my, my i've like uh, comment a question. Well, the question is, will we actually see a Bond spin-off? Like, it did seem like people oh. were kind of getting teed up to do their own thing, but who cares about other people would, that I aren't James Bond? I wouldn't,
3: I wouldn't do it. I mean, that's, I the think... only
0: thing, that's the only thing they have to experiment with in order to do what you're talking about, David. Because, like, take other things that are more IPs than stories. Like, take Spider-Man. Sony's got Spider-Man, they've got Aunt May, they've got all the villains. <laughs> they've got Aunt May! They, so they're going to try to make movies with all of those they things haven't done the because
3: movie yet. I feel I, I, Bond is it. over. Bond is over the minute they do spin-offs. I think that's exa- the opposite of what I'm talking about, which is all about scarcity. It's all about the speciality of the event. I think the one thing that the Broccoli... Well, one of the, a couple of things, the Rockleys have done very very well over their stewardship of this franchise is to understand that it's always an event. And the second they didn't make the they, Jinx the Bond movie, can continue changing
2: Jinx. Halle Berry's Jinx. Jinx. Yeah.
3: They didn't make her movie. They were going to, and then they didn't make it. Right. They didn't make her. Oh, alright. And they good. They pulled the play. Like I don't even know what you're talking about. Is how. <laughs> oh, no. little they That movie happened. So, um, I mean, I remember her character Jinx now. That I, I don't remember any rumors of a movie. But um, I was They. Like a, a yeah, I mean, like thing. they need to retain the primacy of Bond. And the moment they dilute that brand, not only do they dilute the James Bond brand irreparably, but all the advertising to do with it, all of the. I think like all of that sexiness that comes in all the money that Rolex and Audi and whoever the fuck else pays to get on screen, hmm. be associated with the classiness, the the, the rarefied air of James Bond all goes out the window and we never have another James Bond. Uh, the they, they more optimistic.
0: So, one, one spy IP is profitable and good. Two spy IPs are better.
2: I don't know. Yeah, it does seem like you can burn the Bond franchise out. There's just no, there's no element of it. That anyone wants to see isolated. We
0: trans- we've transitioned an American movie going to, oh, hey, that's the same actor. That's cool. That feels like sure. continuity to no, it has to be a different character. So I feel like Bond's always had a fantastic backup group of possible spin-off characters. We've just never seen it. Yeah, I feel like that's very that easy to remain He
3: remains James Bond, regardless of who plays him, is because he's James Bond. And oh, yeah, James no Bond
0: can't appear in these things. Uh, but you build to James Bond
3: through like your james bond uh, jr
2: they did it as a cartoon let's do it as a live action
0: i mean again james bond's not a dad so no but am i
3: saying this won't happen of of course not i'm not you know (laughs) i'm I'm too cynical at this point to think that uh we won't find a way to ruin the only good things we have left but uh i mean sometimes also business
0: forces go against you like ghostbusters tried to do this with ghostbusters 2016 they're like this is going to be the first of ghost studios and blah 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 that bombed and then you know all that went away but absolutely, they're going to try this. Like this is this about, is all of MGM.
3: If this crumbles. how about they just make a online mobile? mobile oh yeah, strategy RPG. All your favorite characters mm-hmm. like Star Wars 007, Galaxy of Spies, <laughs> and just leave it at that. They'll make perfect. a fortune off of that. I will personally bankroll the next James Bond movie. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: Why is Goldeneye sixty four not on? not coming to the switch with the first round of n64 things that's a, that's, that's a probably i think crowd. that's
2: complicated actually with rare and uh licensing of the okay. movie i don't think let's wrap this here up. let's I wrap it up donkey cogs but... and everything I have a better... that's a rare here's find. the better thing i want an old man bond movie starring pierce
3: brosnan one-off just give me old bond
1: like logan yes with bond? Logan so you bond. Want him to do...
3: oh no sean connery did that with never say ever again and it was weird as fuck you don't get okay.
0: that. What about if we do a Bond movie that is Mamma Mia with three Bonds trying to figure out who was the father of the, <laughs> the girl it. on the island?
1: So you get Brosnan and Daniel Craig Let's... and, I don't know, whoever. the Whoever's <laughs> alive. And
2: they're all
0: so
1: Mamma Mia.
2: <laughs> Timothy Dalton comes back. Oh, I would, def- I would definitely watch this movie. Okay.
1: Do you, th- do you think the next one will be a white guy? Everyone just... No. Put your cards on the table.
2: I, I don't think so i'll say yes i think that's yes, just i mean I, I also don't think it is so. I my win. pick has
3: always been i don't want it yeah my pick has always been dev patel that's been my guy
2: that'd so. be that would
3: be yeah badass. but i
1: think dev i think dev patel you gotta go back to light uh bond which would be great like he's got such a care. great care start, start with dev patel like, and build that'd be amazing we all that's we all want yeah, opposite that would be
0: things I want. because i would like a non-white bond but i also think it should go back in time which would basically make a non-white bond very complicated so Bond Ooh, always has you to be contemporary. With that, I really, yeah. I
3: really can't. I mean, the, the, the movie Spirit can go back in time, but I think yeah, Bond on Yeah, I want a Gen Z, Z Bond. He's shot. on
2: TikTok. And uh, <laughs> that's all I got. Anyway, okay. no time to We're die. Done. I got below deck it's to out to watch, so Let's go. In theaters now. You can only see it in theaters.
1: Sorry, guys. Go see it like I did at a theater that is inexplicably still open, where you are one of four people in there, and you have to walk down a dark, that empty awesome. hallway to get there, and hear and hear shrieks <laughs> from the Venom screening next door. Uh, hear shrieks from Venom shriek. next door. Yeah, uh, no, no, no notes. It was great. <laughs> I, I need to retire. That's, <laughs> that's, weird. that's your phrase. That's your catchphrase. I, I don't shift gears. Don't like How it. about that? No,
0: uh, Ooh. no transitions. Ooh.
1: That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week talking about just the spiritual opposite of Bond in every way. The Babysitters Club. Season two Season is now two. on Netflix. You can all watch. Uh, I do not expect you guys to have watched every episode the way that I have, but I really look forward to finding out which one of you. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend the next week thinking of which babysitter all of you are, Thank and then you. I want you guys to come back and tell me oh, boy. Uh, what you think, and we'll compare <laughs> Okay, to- uh...
0: Timothy Dalton. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, in the meantime tell the people who you I'm are. Matt
2: Patch Senior Editor at Polygon I'm on the Twitter at Mr. Patches we have a website fightinginthewarroom.com where you can listen to all the old episodes yes the last James Bond movie came out six years ago but I bet we did a podcast about Spectre that you can listen to I would be I want to go back and listen to that I, who knows what we thought I bet we
3: loved it I'm
1: going to hear me talk in detail about a movie I don't remember at all <laughs> it'll be Perfect. fascinating
3: uh, I'm David Erlich. Uh, I have some good news for everyone, which is that I am not going to be here next week because I'm going to be on vacation. Uh, yay! But I look forward to listening to that episode and figuring out which babysitter I am. Uh, I hope I'm the one that correlates to Larissa Olenik from the Babysitter's Club movie in the 90s. I don't know if that makes Ooh, sense in the babysitter's I universe. I, but I don't know if you're going to on. Tell me how I can change, please. I'd love to make that happen. <laughs> Um, You can find me on Twitter, at David Ehrlich. You can find me on vacation, seeing Lamb next week. Hope it's good. Uh, You can find all of us on iTunes at Fighting in the War Room. Go on Fighting in the War Room. Leave us a review. We'll read it live on the show. It'll be read by someone else next week. What a a rare chance. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Leave us a review.
0: And I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA70. And uh, I guess... Uh, this is the only podcast I'm on for a little bit, so what am I gonna plug here? Guys, around, I believe, between October 15th and 23rd, uh, ten years ago, uh, Katie Rich was trying to launch a subsection of Blend called Pino Katie. And had David Ehrlich on uh, to talk about I believe twenty seven hours. Does that sound correct? One hundred and twenty hours. seven. One hundred twenty seven hours.
2: If only it was twenty seven uh, hours. All right.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, maybe that's how long the movie felt. I uh, forget hey. because that was the first iteration of this podcast. We're with our ten year anniversary this week. Oh wow! Did, should God. we celebrate
2: celebrated?
0: I mean, we <laughs> did. You know, we're all very busy people.
1: We'll just do it next week when David's gone just, uh, <laughs> next, properly.
0: <laughs> next week. Next week's the Colin in show that David always wanted to do. But too
2: bad.
1: No. <laughs> um, I always think it's in December for some reason because I think about like that Oscar season. I think about Rabbit holes. That's the... Well, yeah.
0: it's because you brought us each in individually and then we coalesced to Operation Kino. Oh, wow.
1: Voltron yeah. style. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, We're old. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to think about this for also for next week. I'm going to sign you Babysitter's Identities and uh, talk about the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, we got a quarterfile coming up. So,
3: I bet we'll, we go. Oh, talk will, about I that. i sad to miss that.
1: We will find a way to get into all of it. Uh, oh, it's my turn now. Yeah. Uh, I'm Katie Ridge. You can find me at Vanity Fair and on Little Gold Men, where this week we're also talking about the Babysitter's Club and, uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and an interview with Vicki Creeps, who you uh, heard me singing the phrases of. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And we're all on Twitter at F-I-T-W-R, where we would certainly like to hear your remembrances of the past 10 years. Or you can answer this week's audio, this week's lightning round question, which was... It's also
0: through audio, so valid. In honor of (laughs) Halloween Kills, bringing Michael Myers back, what is your go-to spooky season watch for 2021?
1: Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Find, find. I'll tell you when I'm done. Find the words found find. Poopa, poopa. what the words find my fair lady. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done.